everyone. I'm glad that we can gather together and worship the Lord, feed on His Word together. Amen. Just welcome each and every one on the on the Zoom and on streaming online. We just pray God will bless you richly and meet your every need this morning. I can start out by singing the core or a song together. Love lifted me, number six twenty one in B flat. I believe. I believe. <laughs> I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thankful for the love of God. Amen. Amen. Maybe we can sing that chorus together and we'll sing this and maybe another one before we go to prayer. But cover me, cover me. Number 1279. Let's stand together. Just enter into the worship of the Lord Jesus. Oh, peace of God, cover me. Blanket us with your presence, O God. 
Hover over us, Lord. Overshadow us, Lord, by your Shekinah glory, O God. Grant it, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Have your way this morning, Father. Have your way, Lord Jesus, in the presence of Jehovah. In the presence, just worship Him now.
Jesus. We worship you this morning, Lord. We bless your name, O God. In every situation, Father, in any circumstance, O God, we worship you, Lord. For we know you are in control, O God. There is nothing outside of your control, O God, but you hold all things in your hands, O God. You hold the world in your hands, O Father. Our names are engraved upon your hands, O God. And we are so thankful for that, O God. We have confidence in you, Lord. Oh, we can press on in your name, Lord Jesus, for you are in control, O God. Oh, and you are in the control tower over our hearts, oh God. And we just bless your name this morning, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Isn't it good to worship the Lord? To worship Him and praise His name. We just love the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Brother Norm Wood, could I ask you to come and lead us in prayer this morning? We have an urgent need for our brother John Drake. He's been taken to the hospital. He's waging a battle in his body on many fronts. But we serve a mighty God. We just want to take him to the Lord in prayer this morning. That God would intervene on his behalf. Come, brother. fellowship together and worshiping you and Father we're just so thankful Lord that we still have the health and the strength to get together Lord just ask now Father that you would undertake for these needs for our brother John and Lord no doubt he's in the same situation looking back saying I had health and now I need it again and just depending on you just asking you Lord to fulfill your promise Lord where you said you would Heal those in need of healing, Lord. You said you've already done it. Just give our brother the faith to reach out and claim it, Lord. Father, we're just committing them into your hands, just believing, Lord, it will be done. And look forward to the day we have that testimony, Father. Lord, many other needs in our midst. Brother Milko, Brother Fletcher, different ones. Sister Clara, Sister Lisa, Lord, just different ones battling the devil and Lord, for that's all it is, whatever name you want to put on the disease, it's just an enemy, Lord. Just ask you to undertake and be with each one, grant those needs, Father. Just ask now you'd be in our midst this morning and help us enter in and worship you, Lord, as we have this opportunity once again to gather, Lord, albeit smaller numbers, but we're looking for the day when we'll all get together again, Lord. What a day that'll be. Just ask you to be in our midst. Bless our brother as he brings a word. And our brother as he leads us in song and worship. We just ask you to be with us now. and Just believing that you will be in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
It's already done. It's already done. Just before we sit down, let's sing this together. It's already the Lord. You can have your seats this morning. Just uh, got handed this today from uh, Brother Tim. And uh, I just want to show it to you. Isn't that a nice picture? It's Brother Lonnie and Brother Ed, our pastor. And who's the brother beside him? Don't know. <laughs> it's in Malawi. That's a that's an old time picture. That's from how many years ago? Forty years ago. Yes. Groundbreaking in Malawi. The message going in. Amen. And the message is still going in. Amen. Praise God. And we're so happy to be a part of it. And Brother Tim just gave this to me to make an announcement that they're mailing out these. Um, this believer's faith challenge report. They're mailing out internationally, but the local people 
If you are unable to get it from the church, they will mail it to you, but you have to contact the office to to uh, make that communication. So, And you can pick them up in the back today, those that are here. Amen. We're going to invite our brother Tom to come. We have a baby dedication this morning. So happy to be here to be a part of that. Brother Jean and Sister Angelica. Amen. We're going to invite Brother Tom to come and we'll start uh, singing, He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. Let's sing the first verse. Amazing grace shall always be my that song, Brother Jean, is just in remembrance of you and Angelica. Amazing grace that will always be my song of praise. How God dealt with you and how God dealt with your wife and how you submitted yourself to Christ. And Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. And you can't outgive God and you gave much in your... I remember you coming here in your first time and sitting in the back, I think where Julian is, down at the back there. And uh, I remember the night that the Lord started to deal with you. And you wanted the Holy Ghost. And you needed God. And from there, Angelica, a revival started to take place. Can you imagine the whole thing had to happen for you? The whole thing. God is in control. Has to bring a man all the way overseas to here to bring you your husband. And then the gift of God is cradled in your arms there. And Julian, I know you probably have looked it all up. Everybody knows what Julian is. Um, I don't know if you've you know, really, really looked what you've got on your hands. But it does mean, I, mean, I know the grandparents, um, I, Arthur is from your father's name, right? And um, if they're streaming, God bless them. We miss them, your mom and dad. And having, of course, Brother Roy and Sister Judy here in the family. God bless you all in support. They're going to need it. They called him Julian, which means soft and tender. Soft and tender. But it also means young at heart and very active. 
<laughs> yeah, what? You got to watch what you name your child. You know, um, young at heart, full of energy. It goes on to say a lot of energy. But then they started to explain the name was used by great men, leaders, saints, scientists, and so forth. So the Bible says here that there was a, a centurion in the book of Acts, and his name was Julius, with Julian in French, and said uh, he was kind, and the Bible says courteous to Paul. He entreated Paul earnestly and anxiously. I thought, wouldn't that be a wonderful attribute of this Julian? That he could entertain the word of God courteously, anxiously and earnestly. And when Paul gave, uh, gave him liberty, he gave Paul liberty to do what he needed to do. And I thought that is a tremendous character attribute for this little bundle of life. And it goes on to say that Arthur is brave, noble, and of good character. And I thought, my, you put those all together, he's going to be quite a son. And Brother Bram said, you must have character for power with character is fit to rule. And may God so anoint this little home and all the support that he has here today and overseas May the Holy Spirit bless this little boy as we dedicate him back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You think he'll come to me? Yes, he will. All right. Well, when Joanne saw this little bundle, she said he's a beautiful baby boy. And indeed he is. We can all be proud of that. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we are amazed in the plan of God. We are amazed that you would bring Brother Jean our way. We're amazed that you brought him to Sister Angelica. And I'm amazed that you've given them this gift of life. Julian Arthur, Lord, may he be brave, courageous. May he have the character and nature of the great God that has given this gift to them. Father, in this little dedication service, may he grow up under the sound of the great gospel of Jesus Christ. May the blessing of God be upon him. May he grow up healthy, strong, and Lord, may you use him at a young age for the kingdom of God. We dedicate him this morning to you. We give him back to you to watch, to keep, to bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, who gets them now? Okay. Amen, Brother Sean. I'm sure you're a happy man. Very happy. Angelica, God bless you. Amen. God bless these young families and these children that God gives us. The future church. You never know. He could be a preacher. And that's what we're looking for because a few of us are getting older. Just some of us. Not too many of us. Amen. We like to greet you in the precious name of Jesus Christ, especially those that will be up at the camp this uh, tonight at four o'clock. Brother Murphy will be speaking his last service, and Lord willing, um, July the 11th and the 18th will then be our next services up at the camp. 
We have a three-week window there that we have it um, being used, and we won't be able to use the chapel. And um, Lord willing, if God works everything out, Brother Tim will be going down, and if not, there'll be one of us will pitch it for you. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're waiting to see what the the uh, rules and regulations are coming up this week. It looks like they're slackening down, and we're looking forward to having the whole church back together again. So. We greet you all in the precious name of Jesus Christ, all those that have joined, by the way, the internet, the Zoom. I think a lot of people, I can see the, the numbers go down because we have a, a full church here of 150, which is great. And um, most stream, I do, if I'm at home. And I just trust that the Lord will speak to each and every one of you this morning. Uh, Brother Tim made a wonderful announcement regarding Brother Ernie on Wednesday night. If you, anybody wants to make reference to that, that's June the 9th on Wednesday night regarding Brother Ernie's passing. And so I, I thought it would be uh, respectful to Brother Ernie just to put my little bit in to um, maybe clarify maybe a couple of things and yet not too much because there's not too much to clarify. It's been a, a been sort of private. And Brother Ernie has always been a private man, a wonderful man. He is probably one of the most unselfish, most giving uh, single man that I have known for over 30 some odd years. Um, as, as I remember him coming to Kwamis Camp, and I'm sure Brother Biscoll, you remember when he showed up with Brother Arnie and all the brothers from Florida. And, you know, I mean, you talk about a bounce in his step. Just a few months ago, well, he, he at 40, he was really bouncy. And um, he, he was always earnest, wasn't he, Roy? Always wanted to do something for the kingdom of God. And so, of course, you know, we had camp and it was at Kiwamis. And I thought, hey, you know, it would be great. He's just come in the message. He's fervent. And, and anyways, I gave him the, uh, I said, Ernie, would you like to, to have an opportunity to speak to our, our young people? And I think Leah was 12 at that time. So that tells you how many years ago that was. And uh, he said, oh, I love to talk to the young people. I can get the, I'd love to do that, you know, Brother Ernie. So I figured, hey, it's all in good hands. Let Brother Ernie speak. And uh, so I had other things to do. Joanne and I were taking the camps at that time. And um, I popped my head in and there's Brother Ernie preaching the seventh seal and the third pull to five and eight and nine year olds. <laughs> I said, Ernie, you're for the elder people, not for the younger people. So we had a we had a great relationship. He always felt it was a great honor to speak to you. Anytime I asked him to minister, he would say it'd be a grand privilege for me to speak to the blood bought and purchased of God, especially my home church here in Cloverdale. That was always a statement he made at every time I asked him to speak. Ernie was a great man, and uh, he brought in a lot of people. Brother Roy is sitting here because of. Brother Ernie, is that true, Brother Roy? Brother Troy in Texas, Brother uh, Chris down in Oregon, Brother Johnny in Oregon, and many people. Five churches are responsible for coming into the message through uh, Brother Ernie. Brother Benny Perry called me. He says, you don't know the effect that Brother Ernie's had on our community back east and then, of course, down into Florida and the people that he ministered on that continual basis. And I just put, there's a huge crown that awaits him. He was a private man, and he never had ever said an unkind word toward anyone at any time. And being private, he even let his passing be private. 
And I thought, as Brother Biscoll and myself have been talking, we'll just leave that private. His passing was private. It was between him and God. Door was opened, and he entered in. A great soldier and a warrior of the cross has gone to his reward. And let me tell you, saints, I'm going to probably have a little bitty house just on a hillside somewhere. Because Brother Bram talked about having a home across that veil. I think Brother Ernie's going to have a mansion beyond words could express. Or a crown that you could probably hardly wear. But he was a wonderful man and we want to give respects to him. And we thank God for his life in this assembly. So God bless you as you remember him and the family, of course. Brother Ernie's gone on, but the family have have asked that uh, they have their uh, service in Rhode Island. And uh, that's a long ways away, so there will be some brothers from back east that will attend that service. And that's said. Let's just stand, please, to our feet. Jesus, name above all names. Help me out, Brother Nathan. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord of Lords, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer. Living word once again, oh Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, Emmanuel, God is with us. bow our heads in a word of prayer. Indeed, Lord, you are name, the name above all names, blessed Redeemer. Heavenly Father, we look to you, the Lamb of God, to come and open your word again to us, Lord. Knock on the doors of our heart. May we take a hold of the latch and may we open it to let this great Savior come and abide and be King of kings within all of our hearts. Father, we stand here as trophies of Calvary. Nothing that we have merited, but it's everything that you have done. And so, Lord, I pray that the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world, that died at Calvary for my sin and my iniquity, the same Lamb that came and took the book, opened the book, opened the word, To each and every one of us, Lord. These blessed people. Saints of the living God that are here this morning. And have joined with us on the internet and on Zoom. I pray God that the word will come down and bless their souls. Lord, that they would be edified in the faith and built up in the word of God. Realizing this great call that has come. This cry at midnight. Lord, we will trim our lamps this morning. And may the glorious light of the gospel shine through our lives. Bless the word. Use the speaker. Remove the man. And let the Holy Ghost himself speak to every heart. We pray.
In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Nice to see you all, all in your places this morning. We welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ. We've missed you all. It's nice to see you, Sister Juniper, all the family, lovely. My, we've been praying for you, wondering how what's all happening. Brother Peter Bondi, your family, my. It's just glorious. Amen. Yeah. Amen. This is my family. That my, my Bible says, which is your Bible, unless you forsake mother, father, sister, brother, right? You have no part of me. But if you forsake mother, father, sister, brother, I'll give you. And look around the room. Here's my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters. I say glory to God. Hallelujah. We've been bought with a price and I'm thankful to be called a son and son of God. Amen. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. This morning, if you got your Bibles open, please, we'll start at Genesis 4. I don't know uh, where or how long or whatever. We have a service tonight. Brother Murphy, he's got steel chopsticks. Not wooden, as we've often heard over the years. And uh, he's got a lot, I'm sure, a lot of food on his fork, as we do this morning. The Word is wonderful. We might as well just start there. The word is wonderful. I mean, I don't know how people struggle to find a message. It's a struggle for me to find the direction of the message. Because that, that's what you want. You want the mind of God for the service. Because Brother Bram often says, he says, you're here. God knew you'd be here. So the word has to meet the need of the people that are here. And so, you know, people say, oh, we're on the internet. There's hundreds of people listening. I have never thought of that. I get told that, but my burden, of course, in my heart is for that local church. And not that it isn't for the saints outside, of course. That's, but I don't think of that. So I just hope that came clear. So Genesis chapter 4, reading at verse 4. Genesis 4, verse 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of the flock, of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel, and to his offering. Now, you have to understand as we study and look to the Lord. Uh, we, we try and get in the spirit. We try to get the mind of the Lord. And all of a sudden, brothers will walk all over your service as you've been preparing. So we're getting used to that, aren't we, Brother Tim? Take our quotes, take our scriptures, whatever the case may be. And then finally, we just throw it in the wastebasket and say, it's already been spoken. But we got to, sometimes you have to sit back and say, well, maybe there's something here for somebody else. So please, please, I'm not um, here to repeat what you've heard. It's just a different sounding board. Okay? Just a different sounding board. So, and Abel, he also brought the firstling of his flock, of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? Now I want you to notice here, this is, this is not God's lineage. This is not God's lineage. And he's talking lip to ear with God. God is speaking straight to serpent seed. 
And I thought, you know, how the word goes out, it doesn't matter who, where, what, and when, and how many times around the world the prophet went, and the word went forth, people heard it. But let's go into what's happening here. But Cain, and to his offering, he didn't have a respect. I'm repeating myself. And Cain was very wroth. Lord, what? You know, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, grace of God's coming to him. Why are you wroth? And why is your countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou not be accepted. If you, if thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Let's pray one more time. Father, it's the word of God. We just pray you'll take now the context of that word. I pray you'll bring out the meaning of the word. I pray that the Holy Spirit will take a hold of that word and speak, Lord, to each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have your seats. God bless you. Well, if you want, I'll give you a minute to look around the room. Brother Roy, nice to see you, of course. It, uh, it's just great. I do. I, uh, when I was down at camp, Brother Murphy said when he was down there first seeing the saints, he just wanted to look around and just look at everybody's face. It looks so good. You all look great this morning. And uh, it's only through the blood of Christ, our Lord. Now, I want you to think very uh, deep this morning. I want you to think. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna try and preach as much as, as, as to just lay some things out. Now, God was speaking directly to Cain. He was speaking directly to him. If you do well, if you believe in me, and you see what is acceptable. Right? He's, he, so he's had an example. And so, you know, you know, I'm just gonna live my life. Well, what's, is that acceptable? Or is, Abel's offering, acceptable. So if you do well, if you believe in me, do what's acceptable and pleasing to me, won't you be accepted? Right? Won't you be accepted? And we could, we could talk about Calvary. We could talk about the blood. You just do as your brother. Surrender your life. Give your heart to Christ. Let the blood wash you. Let it redeem you. Just do as your brother. Just, just do what's accepted before God. God, rich in mercy, came from glory, died on the cross for our sins and our iniquities. He was the lamb. Accept him. Just do as, as the redeemed of God do. I'll do my way. Well, we'll find out what happened to Cain. Find out what happened to Cain. If you want to do it your way, Frank Sinatra's way, you want to do it your way, there is a, there is a cost to doing it your way. God, rich in grace, always gives all of us the opportunity to accept or reject His Word. That's how gracious our lovely Lord is. So if you just do well, Cain, if you just do what's acceptable, you know what's acceptable. I accepted Abel's lamb and his offering. If you do it, you'll do well. If you ignore my instruction, sin lays at your door. Death lays at your door. Unbelief lays at your door. Just do what Abel does. Just do what that is. That is acceptable. How hard was that? How hard was that? Just do it. Just come to church expecting. Just come to church just loving Jesus. 
just loving the word. And, oh, God, what are you going to speak to us this morning? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Amen. People are always looking for something great when we've got, as Brother Kydre Diggs said, we've got the great. We've got the great. We've got the great Lord Jesus Christ. It just seems hard for people. Here's a prophet quote. It's so hard for people to humble themselves to the word of God. It does not matter how young you are or how old you are. We are all growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have all reaching for us. Brother Tim's been preaching on perfection. Nobody's got it all here. But we are going to come through the scripture this morning to see what Paul admonishes us on to get to that place. It seems to now so hard for people to humble themselves to the word of God. They just don't want to. I I can't imagine that as as a, a little boy and without unbelieving parents telling my mom and dad at four or five years old. I don't want to be a policeman. I don't want to be a... They, they thought I'd be a fireman. And I, can you see me as a fireman? I think I'm putting a few fires out now, but... I, I, I'm only five foot six. <laughs> I can't carry somebody over my shoulder, right, do a ladder, right? I, I, in fact, actually, before... Just after I got saved, the chief of uh, the fire department in Langley was a friend of my father's. He came to our house, and of course they were having their social gathering. And of course here I am, the dejected uh, black sheep of the family, but really I am the white sheep. And um, he said, Tom, don't you want to have a better career? What, don't you want to do something in life? He says, listen, I'll let you. Uh, he says, I can get you into the fire department. That was from four years old all the way up to now, 21. I said, I don't, look at me. Do I look like a fireman? No. He said, maybe you're right. <laughs> But for me, they said, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. I just want to be a preacher. And they said, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? I don't know. They don't know. But my mom, after Joanne and I got married, we went over for dinner and she'd come to a service or two. And she says, well, honey, she says, you finally got what you always wanted. So I don't understand Why it is so hard for people to humble themselves to the word of God. I don't. Because it was something that was always laid within us. Those that are the seeding of God. Brother Bram said in modern events made clear by prophecy. There's something in us. We were a germ of the gene of God. We never knew that. But as now the word has unfolded to us, we start to understand who we are. We were and always have been a part of God. Then Brother Bram turns to said, when Jesus walked on the earth, you walked with him in him. Because we are spiritual gene. We're a germ of God. Where'd that come from? It came from heaven. I've come from God. I go back. To God. So Brother Bram said it's just so hard for people to humble themselves. Why? Because it's pride. Pride's a terrible thing. Cain 
was full of pride. When even God himself was speaking to him. Do it. You'll be accepted. And yet there was nothing in him to respond. And so then we can't fault people for not responding. You can't beat a person over the head and say, you must serve God. You must serve God. There's got to be something in them that wants to serve God. So I'd like you to turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James 1 and verse 22. James 1, 22. I think this is pretty familiar to most people. I'd like you to look at verse 22 and read along with me. Be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. For if any man or if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer. He's like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth away and straight forth. Forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And how many of us around the world and in this room and in this fellowship room could say, Amen. That is nothing but the truth. So now what Paul is saying here, you are doers of the word. And what does that doer mean? Doers of the word... As we look into the Greek part of it, it means to be endowed with or clothed with a certain quality. So not everybody's a doer, as we read about Cain. He was not a doer. He was a hearer. He heard the word, but he was not a doer of the word. And Paul says, if you look into that perfect law of liberty and continue therein, And being not forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. God speaks to us. God deals with us. If you're faithful to that word, and you keep looking into that perfect law of liberty, and you're not a heedless listener, and you don't forget what that word is saying, You'll be blessed in whatever you do. So a doer is clothed with a quality of a character. But the Greek goes on to say a little bit more than that. You're not only clothed with it. You are endowed with it to perform to the promise. So the seed in you, the gene in you, the germ in you, you're clothed with something that God put there and it drives you to perform to the promise of his word. Amazing how some people can just hear the word and it drives them to it. Repent. They repent. Get baptized. They're baptized. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh God, fill me with the Holy Ghost and fire. There's something in him that wants that. It's not something that's drilled into them, beat on them. 
It's something we want, Sister Louise. It's something we've craved for all of our lives. And so we see there's a difference between the non-doer and the doer. The Cain, the Abel. Something that's not in him to respond and something in the other to respond. That's amazing. That is amazing. Martin Luther said at one place, he said, the world doesn't need a definition of religion. Quoting Luther, I mean, that's 1500s. What are you doing? I, hey, if we quote Paul, we get criticized for quoting Paul. You quote Brother Branham, you get criticized for quoting Now I'm quoting Brother Luther. <laughs> Brother Luther. Brother Luther said, the world does not need a definition of religion as much as it needs a demonstration. Does everybody get that? Can I say it one more time? The world does not need a definition of what this message is. Come on. Brother Curtis, I want to hear that amen this morning. (laughs) Glory. There he says, I, the world doesn't need a definition of what we believe. They need a demonstration of what we believe. If you are a hearer, God will bless you indeed. He will bless you indeed. For the, Paul writes in Romans 16, 25, Now to him who is able to establish you, strengthen you in the faith. It's God that's able, that's able to strengthen you and establish you in the faith. Hmm. Which is in accordance to the gospel. He's not going to preach any other gospel but the gospel. The preaching of Jesus Christ. Messiah. I put in brackets. According to the revelation or the unveiling of the mystery of the plan of redemption. Which has been kept silent. And secret for the ages. But now, Paul goes to say on. It's now disclosed through prophetic scripture. Prophetic scripture. The unveiling of God has come through prophetic scripture. I'm sorry, this man here has nothing to preach. I have nothing to preach. No preacher has anything to preach outside of the mind of God. I'm sorry, friends. Listen, you want, there's thousands of churches out there. Thousands of people say, just give me the Bible. And every one of them contradict each other. But then God sends a message. Prophetic scripture. Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30, Revelation 10, 7, vindicates it without a shadow of doubt. So God unveils it, discloses it through prophetic scripture laying there. Sister Eleanor, listen, Brother John can't lose. Just remember, he can't lose. He, he that believeth on me, Though he were dead, yet shall he live. He has passed from death unto life. Amen. Amen. The things we preach are preached from the very thought and mind that has come in this generation. I am sorry, folks. I don't have an original thought. I know that bugs those critics on the internet. That really bugs them. But let me tell you something. Who are they quoting? Charles Stanley or Charles whatever, David whomever, Joel whomever. Who are they quoting? Because they don't have a brain in themselves. 
And we were nothing. We were nothing until God sent prophetic scripture. If they don't have a prophet, where is their prophet? For in the last days, I'll send you Elijah the prophet. And you got to say, there's no last days. We're not in the last days. How ignorant can you be? I'm sorry, I sent an emergency message. 911. I better turn it off. It gets too excited. My watch gets too excited when I start preaching like that. I did it last time and they went off three times. And I guess, and you know what the message was when I got home? I guess you don't need me. You're right. I called 911 a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I did. I called an emergency session. February around 15th was the day my son was born. It was an emergency. And Jesus came on the scene. Hallelujah. What a word we believe, Paul. What a word we believe. We do not believe cunningly devised fables. We believe what thus saith the Lord says and thus saith the Lord. They, Brother Brent, listen. There were critics, I was saying to Joanna on the way here, there were critics, especially in the last years of his ministry, everybody rising up, Brother Ram this, Brother Ram this. They did not have the angel of the Lord standing by them. They did not have God himself take over his body. Where is their vindication? Zero. So I did it. I did what they do on us. I checked them out. You wouldn't want to know what kind of lives they ended up as. But nobody wants to know that. They just want to use that, whatever. But God has given us a word to transform us. And he's only interested in the doers. I'm sorry, Cain. You don't have the ability. Because you can't humble yourself enough to say, I'll take that, Jesus. I'll take that, Lord. It's your flesh, your pride. Hallelujah. But one day when I called 911, my pride was humbled. My flesh was crucified. And I said, Jesus, I need you. Have I ever been sorry? Never been sorry. Never been sorry. No, sir. So now God, who's able to establish you and strengthen you, Paul says in Romans 16:25, says now in the next verse, he's able then... In his last days to unveil or manifest through a prophetic scripture and made known to all nations. Can you imagine that prof- that Bible is laying there for a prophet to step in, traveled around the world and unveiled Jesus Christ? People say we preach William Branham. I, I don't believe so. I believe I, I believe in Jesus. I believe in this Jesus that he introduced us to. The living word. Hallelujah. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. As the bride of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to live what we hear. Come on. We have a responsibility because the Bible says they that are doers of his word are closed. They're closed. Paul, or the Greek goes on to say, they're closed to perform, to promise. Nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop us. Praise the Lord. So then as ministers, we have a responsibility 
to face the people and bring the truth of God. And not walk away from what the word says. Deacons have a responsibility. Trustees have a responsibility. We are responsible before God. We will be accountable. We will be answerable. Young people, your actions, your deeds, and what you do and how you behave, you're accountable and you're responsible. And God sent us a message to let you know how to act and what to do. Even the Bible, okay, you say even the Bible, I'm sorry. The Bible says that it's not good that a man touch a woman. That's Bible. That's Bible. That's not even the message as such. But then the message illuminates that. Do never be alone with a woman by yourself. Never, ever, brothers, ever, young people. You will give accountable for your actions. You'll be accountable and responsible and answerable to all things. Husbands, being doers of the word, you are accountable. You have, as the scripture declares, you are the one that are to provide for your own home. Bible. First Timothy 5 and 8. Does everybody understand Bible? It, I use the King James Version. I look into the Diaglot, also the Amplified. I look into about 26 different Bibles just to see what that word or a word be because it can be more uh, open than... Then I look into the Greek, and then I say, oh, we'll go back to the King James again. <laughs> so anyways, if any man or if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for his own home, house, he has denied the faith, and he's worse than an infidel. Woo. Wow. Come on, doers. Come on. Come on. We're clothed to perform. Amen. Amen. It's just not, you know, our favorite quote or our favorite scripture, or our favorite this. We're, it's all favorite. It's the whole word of God. And if you don't do it, Paul said to Timothy, you're worse than an infidel. Wow, pretty strong in Laodicea when everybody wants a handout. That's not providing. That's letting the government work for you. Boy, that got quiet. How about Titus? Because there's responsibility. We, we covered preachers, ministers, deacons, young people, trustees. We covered husbands. How about wives? Everybody's really excited to hear about wives. Well, you want to write that down if you want to do it. If you're a sister in your home and you're married. And Titus 2 and 5 says to be discreet. Be chaste. Be keepers at home. <laughs> Obedient to your husband. Oh, man, that is so anti-Laodicea. Yes, dear. No, dear. No. Is that really? Do we treat our wives that way? I don't think so. They are helpmates. But they are keepers of the home. They're good. They're obedient to their husbands. And the word of God not be blasphemed. Responsibility. Doers closed to perform. Mm. Parents. We had a baby dedication this morning. Parents. Parents. 
All these little treasures that we have. God has given us a responsibility to raise them. Yes, sir. A responsibility is placed on you mothers and you fathers to raise the children for the kingdom of God. And I'm sure that is your heart's desire, Brother Jean, Sister Angelica. So fitting for the this morning. But what do we see? What do we see? We see the church is cooling off. Mm-hmm. We see the church is cooling off. And Brother Bram said it once. You might as well face it. You see it everywhere. You see it everywhere. He says the churches are cooling off. You might as well face that. The churches are getting worse and worse all the time. More preaching is done. He says, than ever in the world, and less practice than we have ever done in all the world. So there's a lot of hearers, few doers. Ah, I am one of, oh, I am one of, <laughs> and by faith. We're one of the few. The more you preach, Brother Bram said, we're all falling apart, the worse it gets. So you see the whole system's rotten and it's falling apart. You know what? I've done myself a favor. Less news. I uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Less news. Because it is going, as they say, to wherever in a handbasket. Fill in the blanks. The world. You think it's crazy now. You wait till the bride lifts off. You watch anarchy come down. You watch those AK-47. You watch those militants and anarchists come. Just waiting. Just waiting. And I'm waiting to go home. I'm going up. Amen. I'm going up. He says you see evil being acted out. That's what they're seeing. That's what they're portraying. That's what people are watching. That's what people are reading. And they are only acting out what they're reading. And so are you, doers. So are you, hearing, thus saith the Lord. It's moving us, driving us to a resurrection. Hallelujah. It's moving you. It's driving you. Brother Bram said, you see the evil setting. Brother Bram said it on another place. But you're forgetting how powerful the church is getting. Yeah. Hallelujah. Sure, look at the villains and the way that it's being played out. But saints of God, he goes on to say, but the rapture, the rapture is making ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Is there going to be a rapture? I ask everybody the question. Is there going to be the rapture? Of course there is. It's been prophesied. There is. There's scripture. They will change in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. There is a catching away. He will come as a thief in the night. Nobody will even know. Because there's only few doers. Of the word. As scripture being fulfilled. We can look as a Mary. And Mary speaking. And the Bible saying. Blessed is she. 
that believeth in the Lord. Blessed is she. Blessed is the bride that believeth in the Lord. Because if you believe, you do. If you believe what God says, you do it. If you're not doing it, you're not a believer. That's period. You're a believer or non-believer. Some people are make-believers, but we'll leave that category out this morning. So then the Bible says in first, uh, I'm sorry, John 1, first chapter, uh, verse 45. Blessed is she that believeth, for there shall be a performance of these things which were told her. There shall be a performance of these things. That means it will happen. It's the word of God. There will be a Messiah. There will be a prophet. There will be a bride. There will be a performance. There will be people that will do the word of God. Eat the word of God. Live the word of God. Love the word of God. Hallelujah. The doers of the word are closed. To perform. To promise. There will be a fulfillment. There will be an accomplishment. There will be a f- performance. There will be a verified promise fulfilled. The Bible says, for the love of Christ constraineth who? Us. Doers. For the love of Christ con- constrains us. You know that constrains means? Constrain there means control us, urge us, impel us, move us, so that all those that live might live no longer to and for themselves, but for him, live for Christ, who died and raised again for our sakes, a doer. What was driving Paul? That seed that was in him. That ability. To hear the word of God. Can you imagine here is a man. That was out to destroy. Christians. That believed in Christ. Of course we. We're not terrified of Paul. But the first church. When when Paul showed up. He was not a believer yet. He was out to take him to jail. Or at, at best take him to jail. At worst kill him. But there was something in him when the Holy Spirit knocked him off his high horse, put him on the ground, looked up and saw a pillar of fire and said, who art thou? And that pillar of fire spoke back and said, I'm Jesus. And it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks, Paul. Why persecutest thou me? Well, where was me? It was in the believers. That he was persecuting. They were performing to promise what the word of God had declared for their generation. And for that, they were jailed. They were killed. They were martyred. But then when God came into Paul's life, his answer was different than Cain's. Because he had a seed gene always laying there. And so now something else was driving him. And so Paul says, then give thanks to the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. In Colossians 1 and 12. Verse 13 says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness 
and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Hallelujah. To whom we have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I want you to take a note, special note. I think I preached on this years ago, but I I got it in my Bible circled. In whom we have. That's a special note there because when he says we have redemption through it, it's a present tense verb, have, meaning we possess it always. Just stay with me. Just stay with me. Come on, doers. Just stay with me. We've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Paul goes on to say, and we have redemption through his blood. It's a continual, present verb. Even the forgiveness of sin. Oh, my goodness. I thought, forgiveness of sin. All the things I used to do, I don't do them no more. As I preached before, forgiven, forgotten, forever. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. You will not be accountable on that day. Amen. My sins are under the blood of the Lamb. My verbiage, my language, the deeds I done, the things I did as a sinner are gone underneath the blood, never to be remembered again. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for that power of the redeeming blood of the Lamb? So Paul says, whom we preach, we're still in Colossians 1 and 28, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we might present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Verse 29, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his workings, which worketh in me mightily. Now you can say, well, brother Tom, that's Paul talking. No, that's Tom talking. Ooh, my. That's, I, I believe this. I die for this. Where is the final voice? Where is that voice? Come on. We're going to say, preach everything Paul preached. So now, I also labor. Brother Tim labors. Brother Murphy labors. Michael labors. Brother Bisco labors. Striving according to his workings, which worketh in me mightily. Why? We're clothed with a power. Driving us to rapture. Luther said, I don't want to hear about what you believe. I want a demonstration to what you believe. Lord, bring on the rapture. Come on, get in. Bring it on. Bring it on. What's driving you? The gene of God's driving you. Brother Bram said, it's the germ of God driving you. You who are the real ordained of God. The real gene, the real germ, a soul of God. Wow, a soul of God. This is what your prophecy, modern events made clear by prophecy. A soul of God that was in God before the foundation of the world. That life is driving me. That life is driving you. No man, here's what Jesus said, 
John 6 and 44. No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me. He pretty much knew, not pretty much, he knew exactly who he was. And I'm going to get you to a quote. If he knew who he was and we are a part of him, she's got to know who she is. No man comes to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him. I will raise him up in the last day. That draw means no man can come to me unless the Father draws him or gives him an inward power to come to me. Noah heard the voice of God. And there was something in him to be a doer. Noah build an ark. And everybody said, oh, Noah build an arky arky. And they, and they so, you know, put it down. Noah built an ark. How big was it? Big, big, big. How long? 120 years preaching at the door. He preached. Animals came. Can you imagine, Gabriel? Can you imagine? I'll just ask you a question. All of a sudden, a sloth comes by. Like a sloth. You know what a sloth is? Of course you do. You know how fast they move? Very slow. Huh? But the whole ark had to wait for the sloth. Huh? Ever watch the sloth move on a tree? I mean, it's painful. It's like watching paint dry. Huh? And here's the sloth. And every, all the animals, giraffes are coming by and the people are going, this is really strange. Look at all this. Giraffes and rhinoceroses and hippopotamus. If you don't believe the Bible, you don't believe the Noah. If you believe the Bible, you believe Noah. I happen to believe the Bible. And so here, here in the town, can you imagine on the town gazette, where did these animals come from? And they start listing them. Dan Florent. Woo! EBA. <laughs> Orin. I, I mean, I'm not animals, I mean people. Where did they come from? Look what happened to them. What changed them? The blood changed them. They had a seed in them that changed them. It's a part of God. It's the soul of God. Hallelujah. We do not believe that we are a denomination. We're not a church as Cloverdale Bible Way. It's the building of Cloverdale Bible Way. It's the people. That's the church at Cloverdale Bible Way. Amen. And God brought them in. And Noah heard the voice of God. Are you the only one? Where Can we fact check you out, Noah? I mean, I mean, hey, we're scientists here. We shoot to the stars, Brother Bram said. We can do anything we want. Huh? We build pyramids that they can't build today. Huh? I think Noah, being a farmer, had a little bit of that intelligence in him. And so, are you the only one, Noah? Come on. We're, I want to know your verification and your vindication. God will vindicate me. God will vindicate me. If God spoke to me, he'll vindicate me. If God saved me, he'll vindicate me. If God filled me with the Holy Ghost, he'll vindicate me. If I believe this message, he'll vindicate me. Amen. So here Noah found grace in the eyes of God. But that seed in him quickened to do what the word of God commanded him to do. Noah believed and it moved him to build on something not... I've been around since 1975. He did 120 years, not 46 years. I got 80 something, 70 some odd years to go. Please let me go home. 
And I can imagine the congregation dwindled. Everybody excited, new message. <laughs> yeah, prophet. Ark, the word. But as the time goes on, less came. Hmm. Why? Because they were only hearers. Not doers. It's going to rain. What a new message. What a new message. Listen, go to your work jobs tomorrow. Please do me one favor. Just try it one time. And say, I am the elected lady of the bride of Jesus Christ, predestinated before the foundation of the world, and I'm a seed, gene of the living God, and I'm part of God's soul. You get fired and put off the job. Huh? But it's not, it's still the truth. It is still the truth. And Noah was moved by faith to the saving of his household. Hallelujah. I don't care what people think. I don't care what anybody thinks. All I care is what God thinks. Well, you do this and you do that and you do this. I care what God thinks. I'm not bound by what you think of me. I am bound by I trust he thinks well of me. He had a pulsation in him to the truth of God, to the word of God. And he built, Brother Branham said, his testimony. God told me. God spoke to me. God said, build an ark. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it irregardless of what you think. And he built an ark and he saved his household. Yes, sir. It's going to rain. But Noah, it's weird. It's never rained. And you've all heard this. Never rained before. But let me tell you. There's no excuse for you because there has been a rapture before. They might not have seen rain, but if you believe the Bible, there's already been one rapture. Because the Bible says when he shouted out with a great voice, the graves opened up and many were seen of the city. And Jesus, Brother Bram said, took them in a rapture. There's another one coming for you and me. Amen. And this seed is driving me to perform to this promise. Driving me to a resurrection. Driving me to a rapture. It's something in me. Brother Bram says it's pulsating in us. You know, you you ever picked up a a fish that's still alive? And you're holding the thing? It's pulsating. Something pulsating. You get put a heart thing on your heart muscle, you see the thing. I got a what? Joanne got me a watch. I can get my oxygen level, my EKG. I watch all. It's pulsating. Hey, I want it to pulsate. <laughs> if it stops pulsating, I'm in trouble, right? Not really, not really. But I would like to pulsate a little longer until the change in the body. But Brother Bram said, in a believer, there's a pulsation. 
It's that Paul say, I got it. And that's why I love it. I walked into the fellowship room. I had to see the fellowship room. You know, people come to church. I got to see them. I mean, they're a part of our body. I get to see you. I want to see them. Because they're part of us. And there's something in us. It's pulsating. Let's be together. Let's get together. I want to be with the one body. We. And so there's a pulsation, Brother Bram said, of the Holy Spirit within the believer. We are a peculiar people. We're strangers in a strange land. We're looking for something that we do not see. My. My. Sister Rena, think about it. We got the theophany that's just standing really close to you. Hallelujah. We had a prophet said it's just a few feet from you. Amen. And that is what I want to perform. Hallelujah. We're peculiar. You're strange. You're weird. Um, that's me. Sorry. I'm not, I'll stay with the quote. You're a peculiar people. You're a strange people. We're looking for something that we do not see. But there's something in the control tower that is telling you every redemptive blessing you need in this journey is already in you. My every redemptive blessing. Then if Christ is in me and he is the rapture. The rapture is in me. The rapture is in us. Lord Jesus, let us perform now to this promise. We are moved. We are driven to the perfection of maturity as Brother Tim has been ministering so wonderfully. But to perfection is to our completion, to our fulfillment of our prophecy. Of our prophecy. Luther did his fulfillment. Wesley did his. Pentecost did theirs. The word bride does hers. Do you get it? He says. Do you get it? He says they are depending and waiting on us. They without us are not made perfect. So this church has got to come to perfection in order to bring the resurrection. Come on. Come on. This is where we want to get going now. <laughs> we, laid a, we laid a big foundation. This is where we want to go. We want to go into a resurrection. Oh my, those that are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. Just think about it. There are people that are alive. They remain. They're unmovable. They're unshakable. They'll remain in the faith. They'll stay in the faith. Waiting for that adoption and that change in the body. Hallelujah. We are looking to the unseen. We believe what we're seeing by faith. He says, do you get it? I want to scream back, prophet, we get it. We get it. They're depending on us. They're waiting on us to perform to our promise. We're driven. We're driven, Paul. I'm not driven to success in business. I'm sorry. I lost that a long time ago. I am driven to perform to promise. I'm driven to get a change in the atoms. I'm driven to go to a rapture. I'm driven. We used to sing a song. I got heaven on my mind. And I'm feeling mighty. 
Mm-hmm. I got heaven, heaven on my mind. More and more every day. Sorry, I want to go home. I want to be changed. I see the evil coming on. I want my grandchildren to be changed. Think about it. How much enjoyment I'm going to have in heaven with my lovely Lord Jesus and all my family around me. Amen. We're driven not to the success and empires of men. We're not rich young rulers that have the Lord himself talk to a rich young ruler as Cain was talked to. Just do as these disciples just did. Peter dropped his net. James dropped his net. Can you imagine? Can Aunt Joanne, if she was, if I'm Peter and she's my wife. Well, she is my wife. But, but we're in Bible days. Now, all of a sudden I'm doing my nets. I've got the boat, Ben, and all of a sudden here comes a man walked by and he said, Peter, son of Jonas, come. Sure. <laughs> See ya. Hudson, you got to fend for yourself. I'm out of here. Now, that's real. Bible talks about his mother-in-law. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. And so he, he dropped everything. All the, Matthew left the, you know, the, all the money on the table. Hmm? Everybody left everything to follow Messiah. Because there was something in them that was a part of God that obeyed the word of God because they were going to perform to the promise of the word for their day. Hallelujah. I am so thankful for that seed that God dropped in me. I didn't know when I walked into a little house. I didn't know. I'm a long-haired, dope-smoking, whatever, at a university guy, you know, coming in trying to have a good time. And all of a sudden, I'm shaking in my boots. I want to get out of this room. But something in me says, right, it's right, it's right, it's right. It's right, it's right, it's right. Go back again, go back again. I think I came back about ten times. Ten times the Bible way. And freaking out every time I came. Because people were saying hallelujah and glory to God and all that sort of stuff. I never did that in my life. I told Ken I never would. But look at me now. He told me, don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. It'll come. (laughs) It came. In buckets, fulls. But... You know, here you come one time, two time, three time, people want to write you off. He's no, now he's not seed, he's not seed, he's not seed. Even the associate said to Brother Ken, he's not seed, leave him alone, he's not seed. Been here ten times and never, never accepted it yet. Ken never gave up on me. Linda never gave up on me. Amen, it just takes one more time. Just one more time! The light of the gospel shone on that seed! Glory! It just had a hard time to get through the concrete. Hard time. So we're not driven by success of man. We're not driven by empires of man. We're not driven by politics like I just wrote down here, if you don't mind. I did a little study here. Is you know I was in uh, um, Dallas-Fort Worth with Brother David McGeary a couple of years back. And Brother David took me to the presidential library of President Bush. Don't get quiet on me. I'm telling you a story. <laughs> and uh, he says, would you like to see the presidential? I've never been into a presidential library of anybody. And they've had a few. They've had a few presidents already. So I said, oh, I'd love to come. So he shows me. We get there, and it says, President Bush's goal. He had a goal. 
president. I'm going to be president. I'm going to be president. I'm going to be a son of God. I'm going to be a daughter of God, Pat. I got, I got a goal. Their goals at the end of the day, where, who is he now? Who is he now? Forgotten. How about all the sports goals? You know, how many remember Larry Bird? Used to be, uh, yeah, us old people. <laughs> Sorry, it's not Michael Jordan or it's not all these other guys. I don't even know who the new guys are. So anyway, who is he? And I never forget reading a newspaper about Larry Bird. And that was when they wore you know, those really short shorts. It was the weird era. <laughs> and uh, one day I read the sports article on him. And he took, he took that basketball. He came into the change room where everybody was. And he just took it with all his force. And he just threw it against the locker. Bing, 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 bing. He said, is all there is to life basketball? And I thought, somebody's got to get to that boy. So they know themselves. That there's got to be something more to life. It gets empty when you get old. And you have nothing to look back to. But some old dusty trophies. But there was something Paul Satan, Brother Bram said in, 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 in Walt Disney. There was something in Thomas Edison. There was something in Charles Goodyear. Anybody know about a Goodyear tire? Anybody here? Goodyear tire? Okay. Goodyear tire. He was in prison for debt. Because nobody would believe that they needed a rubber tire. Really? I, I hope that hit you like it hit me. Well, what do you mean? They didn't have rubber tires before the rubber tires? What did they have? Repeatedly in prison for debt, trying to develop his invention. After years of patient toil, driven by visions of wealth. <laughs> He finally came with the vulcanized rubber tire. I hope they have that on his gravestone. The poor man trying to convince, and it was his only family that believed that he could do it. And here, did you, when's the last time you thought of Mr. Charles Goodyear? I don't buy Goodyears. Nobody saw the value in it, but he was driven to it. Here we had other young boys that have aspirations, whether they want to be astronauts, whether they want to be doctors, whether they want to be lawyers or whatever. Buzz Aldrin, I think I mentioned it a few years back, years years back. Buzz Aldrin, the only thing he wanted to do was go into space, go into space, go to space, go to space, go to space. And he got chosen to go to the moon. Him and Neil Armstrong were the first men to walk on the moon. He made his great accomplishment. He did it, Roy. He finally did it. Huh. But he was in a, he had an emotional breakdown because he couldn't handle the disillusionment of succeeding to his goal. People often go to Mount uh, Everest to go to Mount Everest to achieve the goal. And once they come back down, they say, is that it? <laughs> so there's many goals of achievement people try and do and they and make it like it's something fantastic at the end of the day it's just bags with holes in it 
There's no sense of accomplishment. But they had something that was driving them outside of the word of God. Just do as Malachi 4 preached. Just do what Revelation 10, 7 said. Just do what the word of God has spoken. In this most wicked, most perverted, and most deceiving age that has been on the face of of the earth. But the seed in you. Philippians says. For it is God which worketh in you. Both to will and to do. His pleasure. It's in you to perform. To will and to do. His good pleasure. His good pleasure is to do his will. In this most dark age. But the Bram said. Christianity is a rugged every day. Life living for God. It's a constant burning, Sister Eleanor. It's a constant burning. If I get a call on Monday morning, it's got to be Sister Eleanor. That was a great service. Know what the Lord did for me? Those are great testimonies, Sister Eleanor. Those are great testimonies. For it is God in you to will and to do to his good plan. We've got to share it with somebody. We gotta share it with somebody. How often have I gone to my car and people come to my door and say, Brother Tom, you don't know what you spoke this morning. God healed me. God touched me. God delivered me. That's exactly what I was reading this morning. It's God moving a people in His Spirit. How often, Brother Tim, does it happen? Text, text, text. That was just the Lord. That was just God doing that. What is it? The Holy Spirit knowing the need of the people so that you can will and to do. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I live. Yet not I, but Christ performing in me. Christ clothing me to perform. Christ living in me, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are rugged Christians, Louise. <laughs> You're rugged. You don't look so rugged. You look really nice. I don't know what your idea, Paul Bunyan or something, being rugged, right? But you're rugged Christians. Just rugged. Everyday rugged Christians. Let me tell you, not everybody can do what you do. Not everybody can believe the way you believe. Not everybody can just do as your brother Tim does. And you'll do well. I think you might as well put your name in the Bible. I'm sorry, brother Tim. Just do as brother Nathan does. You'll do well. Just do what the seed gene of God does. You'll do well. Don't. It's heartache for you. Christianity is a rugged everyday living for God in this present world. It's a constant burning of fire and a love of God in your heart that sets you afire. People are looking for a revival. Really, honestly, everybody wants revival. And everybody wants to jump up and down. Everybody wants to do whatever they want to do. Brother, you get in the word and you're going to have a word revival. Isn't that right, Brother Dan? I love it when the brothers came to me and said, Brother Tom, we're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to do it, do it ourselves. We want to do it because we're burdened for it. We're going to meet maybe in the chapel. Now they're in the fellowship room. I don't know where they're meeting right now, but they're having a time in the spirit. 
And we're having wonderful services. We're baptizing our seventh person. Not today, next week now, because he couldn't make it. And, and that's all been gone in COVID. I'll take that any day. Where God starts dealing with our young people and they're not even in church. But what's happening? Men, Brother Bram said, that are praying behind me. The brothers that are praying behind me, he says, those will pray. He says, the others will preach. The one will pray and the others will pray for healing. Everybody has a part in the body. Amen. We just find ourselves performing what he's called us to do. Where are we at? Okay, we're still good. We started at 10. I'm sorry. I forgot that. 10. Hmm. Okay. Honey, put up your finger when you're ready for me to be quiet. <laughs> uh, you're too long, honey. Okay, here we go. Why don't you turn to Philippians 3, verse 10. Very familiar, yet very wonderful. Philippians 3, verse 10. We'll try and break it down a bit and maybe close off and we'll continue another day. Aren't you so thankful that you have a part of God in you? And it's not you trying to do anything. It's the God in you saying, pray. Read your Bible. Listen to the tape. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, Brother Kyle, if you hear this, I love that. I, I think he took that expression off of me, actually. You know, I'm older than him. <laughs> it's like Brother Ernie. I'll refer back to Brother Ernie. I told a story one time, and it was talking about the paradigm shift and the person on the train. I told that, right? And he said, why those kids don't be quiet and everything like that? They're screaming and yelling and everything like that. And he went to say, you know, would you put your kids in order? He said, hey, I'm so sorry, sir. My wife just died and I'm just lost. He said, that was a paradigm shift. So I told the story. Ernie told it again. Then he told it again. Then he said, like I was saying. I said, you didn't say that. I did. <laughs> it's okay. We played drives all over the place. Oh, my. Don't you love the word? Huh? There's a seed in us. No, remember, a part of God's soul. That's incredible. We say the seed gene attribute, but then to say that we're a part of His soul. Whew. Yeah, and we're going to walk out of here different, brother Nathan. Amen. So now Paul's saying, now there's, and I got in my title a little here. It says, "There's a rapture to seize." There's a rapture to seize. Paul says in Philippians 3 and 10, uh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, that I might share in it, that I might be a participant of it, in the fellowship of his suffering by being continually conformed. Something's changing us. The Bible says from glory unto glory, unto glory. It's something within us. There's an inner power changing us into his likeness. His likeness and image is perfecting me. 
the love of God shown to the world, as the songwriter wrote. If by any means, verse 11, I might attain unto the resurrection, that I would rise, that he would raise me from the dead, not as though I'd have already attained it, either already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Now, this is a very important as we pre- started preaching. Paul is now laying out here, this one thing I do, I forget everything in the past. I forget where I blew it yesterday. I put that under the blood of Jesus Christ, forgetting those things. God has forgiven me. He's forgotten it. It's gone forever. That's true. They're behind. Now I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before me. I'm reaching forth those things that are before me. Christ, rapture, resurrection. I'm reaching forth. I'm not just sitting in the pew and falling asleep and it doesn't have any interest to me. I want to reach forth. Amen, Amen, Sister Francine. The God that delivered you is going to change you. Hallelujah. That is a sign of the resurrection. Hallelujah. We are reaching forth. That's epikek. I can't even say. I'll spell it for you. E-P-E-K-T-E-I-N-O. It's only found one time in the Bible, and that's in this scripture. Reaching forth. I'm reaching forth. Means to I'm stretch, stretching my neck. Like a runner. I'm stretching my neck. I'm going to get that rapture. I don't care what you say. Huh? I'm stretching my net. I'm going to attain it, Sister Violet. We've been in this together for these 40 some odd years. There's nothing going to stop us. What can separate us from the love of God? Tell me, could tribulation do it? Could the sword do it? Could the fire do it? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen. Because I'm reaching forth here. It means to stretch every muscle you have. Paul I'm making always reference to the games. Yeah, he does. He does. He makes a lot of reference to the games, the Olympic games. And now he's saying he's like a runner running, stretching forth with every muscle that's in him. Can you imagine if we came to church like that, Brother Norm? Bust open the door and say, oh, brother, I'm seasoned rapture. Oh, my goodness. We'd all be standing here. Huh? Rapture. Hey, rapture or tribulation? Rapture. Rapture or hell? Rapture. You're going to reach for something. It's one or the other. People say, I don't like your screaming. Well, Brother Bram said he clarified that one. He clarified it real good. He said, if you don't like the screaming and shouting here, you're not going to like it down there. Because they're going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth down there. That will be deafening. Yes, sir. It's overextending. Paul's really trying to get a point across. It's overextending yourself. It's a habitual practice. It calls one for a lifetime of attitude. 
It's a lifetime of attitude. Oh, I'll just come to church. Easy believing. It's just, you know, I believe in the message. Prophet came. Really? Is that what this message is all about? I thought the message was to take us into a rapture. I thought we were supposed to leave our baggage here. So we have nothing to hinder us to go there. Right? I'm being washed by the water of the word. The things falling off. Attitudes. Feelings. Emotion. (laughs) Okay. I think I saw Joanne's hand go up. You've been wonderful. You've been wonderful this morning. Sorry, sorry, I didn't, I didn't really get all. And I get accused of it all the time. How many? Like Murphy, obviously, because he watches me from the eagle's nest up there. He says, "I only saw you turn three or four pages. You got about five or six left." I said, "How do you know?" He says, "I can watch you up there." I said, "Okay." Well, I'll try and get to down to a point. Brother Bram said here, he says, you scare the people. This is what a brother comes up to him to say, you scare the people. He says, you scare the people to death, telling them the end is coming. Well, I want to say the end is here. <laughs> that was 62. We're 2021. He said... You're scaring the people, telling them the end is coming. No, the end is here. You're scaring the church. That's what this brother says to Brother Brown. And he says, my, you know, I can see Brother Brown. My, he says, that's the most glorious thing that could ever happen. (laughs) I love it when Brother Brown is so sweet. That's the most glorious thing that could ever happen. He says, that's the coming of the Lord. It's the end time. Oh, I wish it was right now. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, oh, that's what I want, Lord. I wish it was right now. Yes, sir. Well, it's the most glorious thing I ever thought of to meet my Lord. To take off this old robe of flesh, it'll drop, I'll rise and seize that everlasting prize. Go back to a young man again and live forever with my Lord and with all my people. I've kept the faith, and henceforth there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me that the righteous Lord will give me on that day. Not only me, but to all those that love His appearing. Hallelujah. Not believes His appearing, but loves His appearing. With such a joy to know my Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. Don't you want to come and go with me to my father's house? Come on. We're endued with power from upon high. God has given us a dunamis. My. There's some people that were uh, actually climbing Mount Everest. You know, they, they, they said this last year for whatever reasons. People were dying at the peak at Mount Everest. Ten, they had the Japanese, they had the different nations all trying to get to the peak. Everybody trying to climb over everybody and running out of oxygen, trying to get to the peak and find out that there's no satisfaction. It's empty. Terrible. It's an empty satisfaction. But here, here, there's an account here. An Englishman, a group of English men tried to conquer Mount Everest. They pressed on against all odds, cold, wind, blizzards, and avalanches. They came to 2,000 feet towards the uh, peak and they set up a camp. Two of them, Mallory and Irvin. 
eagerly pressed on, expecting to return within 16 hours. They never came back. Well, I'm climbing up another mountain. It says they never came back. They asked on the official record what happened to them. They were last seen heading towards the summit. And I thought that would be what I'd like in my testimony. Not climbing Mount Everest, but climbing Mount Perfection. Amen. Amen. When's the last time you've seen him? When he rates the peak. Rapture. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are, are you really rugged? Everybody here rugged? Because I, I do want to get there. I just want to finish on that. Rugged, rugged Christians. With power. Clothed to perform. Rugged. Anybody ever did a reading? Like, I mean, Brother Branham goes through the church ages and he goes through every church age messenger and, he, and you know, people say, oh, Brother Branham did this or copied that or plagiarized this. Or If they've done their enough study, they're loony bins. The prophet was given the word of God. And the word of God is what we believe. Nobody had the church ages written on the wall behind them. To vindicate them. So Brother Branham talked about now. He says. And so I said. Did anybody here ever done a, their little study on. Maybe uh, John Wesley. John Wesley. I, I'm going to have a great time with John Wesley. He's my size. Maybe a little shorter even. And he was. A, he, 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 uh, he, to get around he rode a horse. Not a car. But a horse. They said he's logged over 250,000 miles. That's a lot of horseback riding. Preaching. He preached three to five times a day. One day he realized three whole days have gone by. Three whole days have passed and I have not suffered. <laughs> I'll let that one settle in for a minute. Huh? He said, right on horseback, 250,000 miles in his ministry. And we think we fly a million miles on a plane. <laughs> Kid, would you like some orange juice, please? Yes, please. Did you want nuts today? Yes, thank you. Here he is, riding a horse, right? He says, for three whole days has passed. And I haven't even suffered any persecution. <laughs> no bricks have been thrown at me. No eggs have been tossed at me for three days. Alarmed, after he thought about this, he jumped off his horse, fell on his knees, and asked the Lord if he'd done something wrong. <laughs> We're talking rugged? <laughs> rugged. He's preaching his gospel. Was it welcomed? Apparently not. Bricks are flying. Eggs are flying. And nothing for three days. So he said, I must be doing something wrong. He got off his horse, got on his knees. I said, have I done something wrong? Has it been my fault? And there was a rough fellow on the other side of the road behind a bush, heard him praying and recognized who it was. That's that Methodist preacher. He picked up a brick and threw it at him. Missed the mark. Wesley leaped to his feet joyfully saying, thank God, all's right. 
Now, to me, that's rugged. <laughs> Missed. Praise the Lord, I'm in the will of God. Thank God all is right. I still have his presence. Isn't that marvelous? That's why we're going to have such glorious fellowship with these these wonderful brothers. So then I did a little search, Sister Barb, on, on, on throughout the ages, you know, a few years ago in 225 AD, as a matter of fact. And there was a man named Cyprian, a believer. He heartily thanked Almighty God who pleased to set him free from the chains of his body. He was being killed. Or John Huss, the morning star reformer at the stake, he cried out, In thee, O Lord, I do put my trust. Never, let me never be ashamed. Or Henry Voss, who said, If I had twin heads, then I should all be off for Christ. These are wonderful brothers. <coughs> John Busian, who said, If I, I shall have a double jail delivery out of my sinful flesh and out of this loathsome prison. What a deliverance. What a deliverance. But you say, Brother Tom, how do we even come up to that kind of life? Well, the church age book says this. Thousands and millions died throughout the ages. They died in the faith like Antipas, a faithful martyr. They held not their lives dear unto death. Often we think that it would be almost impossible to be a martyr as we just had quoted some. Are you ready? Are you ready, doers? But dare, here's your prophet speaking, but dare to recall that the faith we daily use to triumph in Christ Jesus is the same faith that upheld Polycarp and all the martyrs. You might as well say amen. Amen. You've been endued with the power to perform, to promise. So the same power that they were under, the ox, the man, the lion, now under the eagle anointing, we have the same reward because it's the same faith. I want you to understand that when you do read Fox's Books of Martyrs, which is hard to read, what they did to them. But they were anointed for it. It doesn't make it any easier to swallow. But they are precious brothers and sisters of the faith. But they also were endued with a power. Brother Bram said in this fifth seal. How can a man do anything else besides the power that God has released out to them? We indeed have the power in the name of Jesus. We indeed will put on a new body. We indeed will put on a rapture. We indeed will be a part of the resurrection. We indeed have been giving a promise. Whether it be Hannah, whether it be Gideon, whether it be Elisha, the Queen of Sheba, whether it be you or me. If we need to make things right, we'll make it right. Why? Because we have a part of God in us. And when we do wrong, we make it right. 
We have been constrained by God. We're a prisoner to God. We're impelled by God. We're urged by God to live for one another. I, 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 I should back that up again because that wasn't really a hearty amen out of a hundred and some here. We are compelled to be a prisoner of, impelled to, urged on, to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for one another. Amen. Amen. That is being clothed with power to perform when a prophet said true Christianity is living for others. Don't tell me about your doctrine. Demonstrate your doctrine. Musicians, please come. Maybe we'll do part two another day. That's a good place to stop. But to the church, to the bride, the rapture is a revelation to her. It's revealed to her. The revelation, the true bride of Christ will be waiting for the revelation of the rapture. Because it is a revelation and a revelation is faith. And you cannot have revelation without it being faith. Faith is a revelation and that's something revealed to you. I was listening to a tape early yesterday morning. And I was saying to Sister Joanne on the way to church. I said, you know... um, I said, faith is a, is, is a subject that's deep, and yet it's not deep. It's just, Brother Ramka said, it's unconscious. It's unconscious faith. He said, when you get up in the morning, he says, you don't worry about not getting up in the morning. He said, when you go to the light switch, you're not worried about where the light is going to go on. When you go to your car, you're not worried that the car is not going to start. He says, it's just unconscious. It's just something that you know that it's going to happen. Let us come to that place, that this rapture revelation will just be something we just step into. It's just something God just makes real to us. I'm born again. How did that happen? He just made that real to me. I'm a saved son and a son of God. I made that real to me. I'm filled with God. I made that real to me. It's just one more revelation. Let's bow our heads. On a hill far away. Heavenly Father. This morning. So many promises. Hundreds of promises laying in the Bible. Sometimes Lord we're able to just pick out a promise for the day. And something takes place within our lives. But we want more Lord. We have a promise of a total body change. We have a promise that we'll stand with our families. We have a promise that this is the Exodus hour. We have a promise of a future home with you, Lord. We have that promise. And there's something in us, a part of you that's driving us, propelling us, constraining us to walk into that promise. So, Lord, if there's somebody here this morning that says, I I want to be constrained by Christ. I need him in my life. 
I want to recognize that there is something deep within that cries out there is something more. It's not just an empty climb to Mount Everest. An empty fulfillment of, of Mr. Goodyear. Something we've taken for granted to people that have striven for nothing. Lord, there's only one thing that we want to reach out with, stretched out with every muscle, is to reach and hold Christ. Would you take a hold of the hearts of each and every one that's here this morning? And may they reach out in faith and say, Jesus, Lord and Master, take control of this vessel this morning. I surrender my all to you in Jesus name Amen Oh how I love that old cross within Eris and Mechas for a world of lost sinner was slain
sorry. Brother Curtis, if you'd like, did you want to come up this morning? That'd be fine. If you want to bring Judah, that'd be fine. Sam, Michael, Brother Tim, we're going to pray for Judah. Will you ever be sorry? We'll never be sorry. Never be sorry. The benefits of Calvary that we can draw from are real and a substance. We're going to pray for little Judah here this morning. Daddy's asked, Mommy's asked that we pray. We've had a couple children that we've prayed for before, Brother Curtis. We have prayed before, Rebecca. We've prayed and we have believed. I believe Sam's given you a couple of examples. One was just last year and he's a gentleman today and he wants to say good morning and can I do anything? And this was one that would crawl all over me. <laughs> and I just said, God's in it, Curtis. God can do anything. Especially now as parents, godly parents. God's going to use the word of God to perform to the promise where he said, ask anything in my name, believing. That's your promise. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's a promise. Ask anything. That's a promise. And so now as a family unit, as a high priest, your home and mother, the fifth gospel standing there. You're going to have whatever your heart desires. That is your promise this morning. Amen. Judah, how are you, honey? Good. God bless you, baby. Amen. Amen. Let's all put our hands on him. The Bible says you'll say, lay hands. They shall recover. Father, how often have we prayed over the years and seen a transformation Lord, a daddy is cradling in his arms. A mother is standing at her post of duty. You said, ask anything in my name, believing, and you shall have what you ask. I pray a nature change, Lord. I pray, God, all that is struggling within come to an end. Lord, that the peace of God will reign within his heart, Lord Jesus. Lord, that it would not be something, Lord, that would take forever, but it could happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Lord, not only in the body change, but how we've seen different ones changed immediately. And so, Father, with these precious brethren uniting with this family, we're asking that you'll take Judah into your divine care. Lord Jesus, changing him, changing a nature, giving him such a lovely spirit, Lord, that it would be so pleasing to you. Where else can we go? We'll come to the Lamb of God. You said, you shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. You said, ask anything in my name, believing, you shall have it. You are the healer of all our diseases, as it says in the scripture. And so, Father, I'm praying that a sweet nature, a sweet spirit would flood his soul today. That mother and father will witness quickly that Jesus Christ has come on the scene. In the name of Jesus, we ask it for your glory. Lord, we've experienced it in my own family. The sweetest nature change that took place. Sister came forth asking for her son. 
Now a couple are standing here. We expect nothing but a change. For the glory of God once more, Lord. Do what these parents are asking for. Take Judah, Lord, and turn his spirit around. Let all the anger and frustration leave him. And may the Holy Spirit come with the peace of God. The love of Christ. That which would be pleasing to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We receive it, Father. And so we'll rejoice in it now. We'll go away, Lord, praising God. How often your prophecies just go praising the Lord. Go just praising God. So, Lord, we're going to go praising you, thanking you, giving you all the glory. It's not in man, it's in faith believing. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, Judah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Well, do you feel you got the part of the soul of God reigning in your heart? Feel you got the power of God that's moving you forward, impelling you? Then go conquer your giants. <laughs> go conquer them. Don't look at me like that. Smile on your face. Don't be like, was it you that mentioned about David and calling them naughty? The other night, yeah, I thought that was cute. Because I'd, I'd done that years ago. But naughty actually is not a na- nice word, right? It's not a nice word. When they were saying naughty, and nah, 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 that wasn't a nice word. No, you're naughty. No, 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 no. I'm not going to call you naughty. Go conquer your giants. Go conquer them. Be what the Word of God has told us to be. Victorious. Super church. Super race. You've been anointed for it. And God bless you for being faithful. It's nice to see you all here. Nice to see each and every one of you. God bless you. Till we meet again. Brother Murphy will be ministering at 4 o'clock at the camp. And then for the next three weeks, there will be no services in the evening. Because we have camps at the camp. And so then, Lord willing, after that, we'll have two weeks, July the 11th and the 18th, as we said. Brother, Lord willing, Brother Tim Dodd, or if the ordinances or sanctions or whatever they call it open up, then quarantine is lessened. Brother Tim will be able to go down, and that will be a wonderful blessing to the saints there. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Enjoy the presence of the Lord. Nice to see you. Amen. The old rugged cross. <laughs>